This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How is product marketing changing? And in particular, how is e-commerce marketing moving along? Is it too late for us to get involved in the game? Can we tap into some of the existing channels? And how will that affect us positively, assuming that we avoid the little-known pitfalls? To answer those questions, Ryan Flanagan. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me today. This Listen, this is going to be cool because... Um, a lot of this, of course, driven mostly by Amazon, uh, is something that a lot of the middle-sized companies, the companies that we target you know, for our show, uh, have really stayed away from because they think it's kind of more entrepreneurial, which which could be. So what, what are you seeing? When Are you seeing a lot of entrepreneurial companies go there? Are you seeing middle-sized companies, big ones? Who, who uses Amazon for distribution? Yeah, well, let's talk first about kind of the bigger picture and kind of how e-commerce and the paradigm shift is happening and product marketing, right? So, you know, particularly after COVID, everybody kind of switched to buying things on, from home and doing it pretty easily because you couldn't go to the stores for a while. And even before that, you saw major retail trends going away from big box and really going online. And nowadays, when we look at Amazon compared to Google search, Amazon's about 48% of product search in the United States. I mean, 48% of people who have intent to buy a product are going to Amazon and searching first, uh, compared to 35% of people going to Google and searching around that way. So they've really gotten a pretty big cornerstone on Amazon on the marketplace and what they're doing in that area. We do work with a number of different, uh, I'm the CEO of Nuance Media, uh, and we've been around about 12 years, but we work with a lot of mid-sized brands, really kind of figuring out how does all this work? How do I do product marketing? And really, where's my best bet? Now, we work with a number of brands that already have big box retail, and maybe they're already selling on Amazon, or maybe some resellers are already selling their products on Amazon. Right. And that's a big shock for a lot of our companies that we work with to go on there and see that somebody else has thrown up a listing. Well, that, 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 wait, wait a second. That, that opens up a, a whole can of worms here because yeah. let's say you're a company and you're busy selling your stuff and then you find out that somebody else now is selling your stuff. I mean, can you control that? I mean, can you tell Amazon don't let them sell your no. stuff because they're not a, they're not a primary or original seller. They're a, a reseller or a broker or whatever they are. No, you really can't. You can do, um, basically, you can do automated cease and desist orders and some types of things like that, overall reputation management. But this is really akin to the kind of social media conversation we were having back in the 2000s when Facebook and all these other companies came up and people were like, well, should I be on Facebook or should I be on social media as a company? And we all decided eventually that it's probably better for you to be on social media, controlling your brand compared to being up there and not having an active voice in the conversation. So we do a lot of brand reputation and management and those type of things when it comes to Amazon. But the best case in that situation is typically to go up there, claim the listings yourself, aggregate those, do the customer service, the response rates, and build really quality listings that convey who your brand is, what your products are. And, and honestly, by implementing that strategy and being active in Amazon, even if you don't really want to even be there, 
we do see rising sales through your website and your uh, brick and mortar locations. The reason is that Amazon nowadays is basically the litmus test for anybody shopping online. Um, I don't know any, how many times I've been shopping that I will look at my, I'll look it up on Amazon before I buy it. And if it doesn't have good reviews and it doesn't look like a good product, then I'm not going to buy it. Well, wait, wait a second. So I, I do a lot of those things too, and I'm very bullish on Amazon. I really like it. I use it all the time. Um, but I'm just thinking of back back to this issue about having third parties selling my stuff. <laughs> so a lot of companies, you know, they kind of control their distribution. They call it control their pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, they have dealers. They kind of set the pricing. They're not supposed to exactly, but they sort of do. And however they do that, yeah. and all of a sudden on Amazon, it's a free for all. I mean, so is uh, what are companies doing that you know? How do they retain control of their distribution? of their, their quality, of their pricing, of, of all the things that matter to them when anybody can sell anything using this marketplace? Yeah. So, you know, if there's map violations, and that's the real thing that, you know, we're, we're looking at here is you can go in and typically identify if there's resellers selling a product and they violated map. Uh, we have a number of partners that we work with that set up automated cease and desist orders and some other things like that. Not only monitoring what's happening on Amazon, but you're not even thinking about eBay or any of these other marketplaces that could be selling your products as well. So when you're a brand nowadays and you're doing the D2C market, not only do you have to be kind of present in all these markets and monitoring what's happening, if not actively pursuing them so you have your best image and best brand out there, but you also need to be watching out for the resellers. And what's the process on that? How do you get them from winning the buy box? How do you get brand registry so you can change the listing and they can't change the listing or hijack your brand? Um, there's a lot of things that you really have to be aware of um, that you may not be if, if you're not actively playing on Amazon. And then above and beyond that, what is your overall Amazon strategy? And then how are you going to drive sales through the Amazon channel if that's really your interest? You know, I wonder how many companies are uh, searching for their own products on Amazon because they might be sold there, whether they realize it or not. Now, uh, I normally think about Amazon more retail, but it, does it also kind of apply to, you know, certain kinds of uh, manufacturing, nuts, bolts, parts, manufacturing issues? I mean, they sell all sorts of stuff, I imagine. Yeah, you can pretty much buy the kitchen sink on Amazon. That, that, that's what you could do. But Joel, quickly on the, the point you were just making before, the other thing is, let's say you um, are an established brand and you've been selling socks for years. Well, if you're not on Amazon, go search for your brand on socks, uh, your brand name. And if other people are advertising on your brand and have a similar product, then you could be losing customers to that as well. So it's not only people coming up and selling your product on there. But it's you having, you have a strong brand, you've been selling for years, and then people are coming to the platform to find your product and they can't find it. So then they're buying from the competitor, right? So you're so, actually so let, losing, let's, losing customer share. Okay. So, so, talk, so let's talk about the customer concept uh, because these are sort of anonymous customers. When you get them through Amazon, they're anonymous customers. What kinds of strategies or techniques are companies using that are working to create some customer relationship development once the product gets sold. I know that I've received like, please go to our website and fill out this thing. What are companies doing though, that where they can actually know who I am, 
and stay in touch with me because there's certain companies on Amazon. I just love their products and I do want to hear from them. And I do want to, every time they come out with something new, I want to know about it. Right. So there's a few strategies when it comes to that. The, the first thing that you do want to identify is that brand Amazon has really identified that um, being enabling brands to be more successful on Amazon is really in their bread and butter. They're coming out with some programs that you can start uh, theoretically emailing people who purchased from you or followed you and done those type of things. You'll never get the customer information because Amazon is a black box, right? Also, when we look at Amazon compared to your website, we see two different variations. Amazon typically has a lower customer acquisition cost, meaning it's easier to acquire customers because Amazon has a significantly higher conversion rate. But Amazon has a lower lifetime value because you can't reach out to those customers once they purchase, right? On your website, higher customer acquisition rate, higher lifetime value. So the real goal here is how do you leverage Amazon to acquire customers and then get their data and build things out that way? What typically we recommend, if it works for uh, our partner that we're working with, is a warranty of some sort, um, particularly maybe a discount on a second item or one of those things. But for example, if you are selling a, let's say, a, a drill and you have a 90-day warranty or a year warranty, you can send in your shipment a warranty offer to come fill out something on the website to get your warranty. And then you've captured that data off of Amazon. Uh, and then you can remarket to those, email blast those people and those things because they've claimed that warranty. Now, the key with that is the offer that you have to be giving has to be valuable enough that somebody is going to go claim that information or do that to fill out the information. So what would that be like? Uh, we give a 90-day warranty, but fill out this thing and it extends it to a year. I mean, is that the yeah. kind of thing you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Extend your warranty by nine months, right? Oh, there's some value there. I get some extra level there and then I can build that out or buy one, get one free on something else. There's some other tactics that you have to do. I always do recommend that if you're thinking about implementing some of these, that you refer the terms of service on Amazon, as Amazon is always kind of changing and updating their terms of service. How, did, how does Amazon work? Who does the fulfillment? Is it, is it literally done by Amazon or do some companies fulfill their own stuff? Uh, yes, is the answer. Uh, both are the options. There is your. There are two different methods you're talking about, and that's fulfilled by Amazon FBA or fulfilled by merchant, which is fulfilled by the merchant. What we typically recommend for our customers is that they do FBA where they can. Um, and honestly, Amazon uh, shipping is typically less expensive than most merchants can get on their own, particularly because there's not like a pick and pack fee and some of these other things that you may get out of your 3PL. But we also like having fulfilled by merchant, FBM, um, in lieu as a redundancy. So if you ever run out of inventory on Amazon, FBM can kick in so you don't lose inventory or sales on that. And Joel, I'll tell you, there are companies that made millions and millions and millions of dollars because they had FBA set up during COVID. And then what happened was Amazon said you had to be essential to send in inventory to Amazon because they're sending in all the masks and all that type of stuff. But because they didn't have FBM set up, they could go in and you had companies that lost millions of dollars because they couldn't actually fulfill on Amazon. But the companies that had set up FBM redundancy just turned that on and kept selling. So those guys made millions and millions of dollars because they had basically FBA and FBM set up compared to just FBA alone. 
So if you're going to use the Fulfilled by Amazon uh, and you want to do this uh, like warranty extension program, you have to kind of package it into the box, but you don't necessarily want that to go into all your boxes if you're selling to a regular channel. Uh, maybe you do, I don't know, but but you know, I mean, if you want to have who the Amazon customers are versus who the XYZ customers are, you have to have a different piece of paper somehow. Well, and what you probably want to think about, Amazon's not the only channel out there, but if you're selling on eBay or you're selling on some other channels too, you probably want to have a multi-channel strategy for your product inserts and what you do. And that's not just for um, you know, the warranty offer as we were talking about before, but review requests and things like that, because reviews are a big thing. You can't inquire for positive reviews on Amazon, but you can say, hey, please let us know what you think and review us on Amazon, right? And that's something that you can do underneath that area too, if you're shipping with Amazon products. How many of these companies are um, are doing a good job of, uh, you know, like the, I'm talking about the middle-sized companies are doing a good job of using Amazon. Do you, do you think companies generally do a good job or do you think that they leave a lot of meat on the table? leave a lot of meat on the table. Um, we work with a lot of established sellers that are, you know, in a number of box retail stores across the board. And we typically can three, four X their revenue on Amazon just by coming on, doing the product family reviews, um, aggregating them appropriately. So let me kind of walk through this. Yeah, be, be more specific. Like what are the things that companies don't do to maximize or optimize their opportunity? So one of the reasons that Amazon's been so successful and entrepreneurs have been flocking to it is if you come in and you have a large catalog, right? And typically you've been selling in big box. Well, your typical uh, listings have one picture, a little bit of content, just kind of like how it used to be, right? But what happened with other sellers coming in is they'll get a product, they'll do the listing, they'll have five or six pictures, they'll have the copy, they'll have a video about it. They do all of these type of things. And then as the end user, when I come and say, well, I know uh, Joel's brand, I'll just use you, you as having a brand here, right? For something you're selling online. And you've been manufacturing this and you have one image up there and a little bit of copy compared to Sarah Sue, who has full images, copy, all those type of things. Well, I'm going to go to the one that I can actually see more details about, has its messaging done. Because for me, I need to be able to almost digitally smell it. Compared to historically, you'd go into a store, you'd pick it up, you'd feel it, you would then make a purchasing decision. So one major play is updating your catalog to make sure it's retail ready on that level. But another major thing that we see with established brands that could be doing well on sales and all these type of things is taking a really good look at your catalog and putting your products that are similar into a product family. Now, the reason that that is interesting is because if you have, let's say, three different products that are not in a product family, but they all have 100 reviews, well, then when they show up in search, they all show up as having 100 reviews. People may or may not purchase those. If you aggregate those and put those into a product family on Amazon, those reviews aggregate as well. So then you would have 300 reviews, thus more people purchasing because at least those three products are together and you can cross sell and upsell with that. And Joel, I'll tell you, like for one of our clients, they had 60,000 reviews on one of their products and about 200 and about 2,000 another one. We aggregated them into a product family. So now that product family has 63,000 reviews right around there or whatnot. And their other products are going gangbusters. 
because now they've aggregated all those reviews. You have instant credibility with people purchasing on Amazon and doing those levels. So there's a lot of strategy that we recommend doing. In fact, at Nuance, before we engage with anybody, um, we'll do an Amazon action plan and lay out the strategy and make sure there's an opportunity for you before we'll even work with anybody. Um, because you need to kind of do the structure, see what the size is, see what the investment is. Um, and it's really dependent on where you are in your customer journey and your brand journey to see where those opportunities are. You know, there, there's a lot of, uh, probably a lot of details many of us probably uh, wonder about. Maybe you could dish a few of these things here. Um, if somebody, you know, is going to say, uh, you know, I want to make a pretty good commitment to sell it on Amazon. I want to sell a bunch of our stuff. Uh, let's say it's a retail product. doesn't matter what it is. How much inventory do you have to commit? And and does that inventory go to one warehouse or do they spread it? Do they spread it across for you? Do you have to ship it to many warehouses? I mean, because they get it to you pretty fast. I mean, so how does this work? <laughs> so it depends on where you are, again, in your, your brand journey, right? That's why I kind of alluded to it before. If you're a new seller, any new seller gets a thousand pieces of inventory that they can send in initially. Right. Uh, that depends if you have one product or 500 products, you get a thousand until you establish a sales trajectory and those things. And then Amazon will uh, continue to enable you to sell more on online and send in more inventory. So, so wait a second. So Amazon will accept a thousand pieces of merchandise as inventory. They'll, they'll inventory a thousand units. Yes. Spread across different SKUs or or what? Uh, initially, when you're a new brand, just a thousand. That's what you get for all your SKUs. Now, once so you start the selling... The algorithm's watching the sales. Yep. And then they'll send you notices. Okay, now we'll take you up to... It's almost like a credit limit. Now we'll take you up to 3,000, 5,000. And, and how do they spread it across warehouses across the country? Uh, so they basically, based on their algorithms and where they're seeing kind of historic purchases, they allocate where they go to. Right now, something else that happens on here, and Joel, I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, about a year and a half ago or so, Amazon launched a multi channel fulfillment by Amazon. So basically, if you have a website, you can send in all your inventory to Amazon now, and they'll fulfill for your website as well. Mm. Right? Because Amazon's really getting a logistics game more than anything. So the more quantity they have, the more volume they have, the lower their shipment rates are. They've been building warehouses everywhere. So if you're in the multi-channel fulfillment program through Amazon, you can actually get around some of those minimum inventory numbers because you can say, hey, here are my sales projections. I need 20,000 units to be able to ship in. So you can actually outsource. You can outsource the distribution to Amazon is it sort of a private label arrangement? Uh, yeah, they basically, they'll do it all for you. Uh, you, you. You just treat them like a 3PL. That's essentially same thing that you do with a 3PL. They have introduced a white box thing, so it doesn't come in an Amazon uh, fulfilled, op- like a, a Amazon box if it's come from your website. That's pretty, pretty fascinating that... Uh... You know, that it's just another option that companies have. And they really, you know, I mean, I wonder how many companies really know about this. And it probably is a pretty cost effective option, especially when you think about being able to close down certain kinds of uh, resources that are expensive. And like, think about internally, if you have a full staff doing that, right? What is that costing you? What is that costing you in shipping? I can't tell you how many times we've done the analysis for a client and say, hey, we can save you. Uh, two to three bucks per shipment 
if you're using Amazon compared to using your 3PL, particularly if you look at like a pick and pack that's significantly higher from a 3PL, right? So there's a lot of opportunities with that. And even at this level, Amazon's launched uh, global logistics, which they will basically take directly from China and ship into your warehouses in the United States or in Europe or wherever. So Amazon's playing very hard in the logistical game. So that's the thing when we're, we're looking at where Amazon plays in you know, this kind of product marketing and brand awareness and, and where it plays in your overall uh, formula as a brand, as a D2C brand, you really have to not only be looking at sales on Amazon, but what new programs are rolling out and how much does that change everything else? So let's talk about a couple specific strategies <laughs> that companies can use to augment their existing distribution program. Uh, and I'm not talking about outsourced distribution. I'm talking about selling the sales part. Yep. And, you know, how can they use Amazon to augment some of their existing uh, channel marketing? Yeah, so the, the first thing that we look at with this is we always recommend before we do big brand awareness campaigns or anything like that is that you get your listings up and optimized and looking good on Amazon. We don't say do your full catalog. Take your, your, your best sellers, right? On Amazon, what we typically see is even with large catalogs, it's kind of the Pareto principle, which is the 20% of your products are making 80% of the revenue. On Amazon, because the more you sell, the higher you rank and then the more sales you get, we typically see that 2% of your catalogs making like 98%, right? Like we just did analysis for a company and they had three products that were making up 50% of their revenue. And that was for a catalog of about 120 different products, right? So you start out with the best ones, the ones that are people are purchasing. Now, by having an optimized listing that has good reviews and all those type of things, what we do see is that your sales in-store at your brick-and-mortar locations will actually increase, and then your website uh, sales will increase too. The reason that that's happening is that people are using Amazon as a literacy test. You know, that you go in there, you look at the reviews on Amazon before you buy, and then you typically purchase. You'll also see it the other way because you're doing your marketing um, and these type of things that people will come for whatever reason, not want to buy in the store, and then they'll just directly purchase from Amazon because maybe they're on vacation and they don't want to take it home right now. So by doing the optimization on those, you'll actually see that all tides rise between all of your different channels by being what we like to call retail ready. And present yourself uh, in a good. Image. You know, if you're collecting all these reviews on Amazon, are companies doing a good job of repositioning those reviews into other channels? Are are they allowed to use those reviews in other channels? Yeah, so Amazon does have copyright on any of the reviews that they do in those things. But what we and we're not an attorney, but what we've been advised on is that as long as you put a link, we'll export those reviews and we'll actually put those on the website. So the concept with going and getting retail ready and spending these times to do good images and videos and good copy and A plus content, all these type of things, because that's a costly matter. You know, it just doesn't happen overnight. But when we do that per product family that we're working on, then we go recommend implementing all that on the website because that will increase your conversions on the websites and so on and so forth. That includes importing those reviews off of Amazon and putting that on your website as well. When you put those on the website, do highly recommend that you put a reference back to Amazon saying some of these reviews may have been pulled off of Amazon just to avoid any 
legal uh, issues that you have whatsoever with that reference. But then you can go from a web page or product page on your website that maybe had three or four reviews to a product page on your website that now has 800 reviews and your conversion rate on your website's going to increase as well. You know, what, what strikes me about, about this is that it's really pretty scientific. I mean, there, there's no guesswork here. I mean, this isn't, you don't, you don't just find an intern and say, listen, would you run our our Amazon program? You know, right. and, and, and I imagine a lot of companies, that's kind of what they're doing is they just find some uh, person, they say, hey, would you run our Amazon program? You're, you're now in charge. And I, I just have to imagine listening to the complexity of this, that this is very scientific and there's a right way and, and, and there's all the other ways. Well, and we've seen companies like in COVID, because we recommend that FBA and FBM redundancy, our clients did very well. They made millions of dollars. People who didn't have that set up lost millions of dollars. And yes, Joel, I have to be very clear, like at Nuance Media, what we probably do better than anybody else is apply the formula to make money, be retail ready, ready, and then scale from that. And if you're an established brand that already has products up there, that you're making sales, that you have reviews, then you're pretty much a gangbuster to two, three X your revenue on the platform if you really haven't been doing anything. Right? Give, us, give us an example of a company that just had a bust of an experience. Yeah. You know, so you one of those? Yeah, I, I got a number of them. So let me <laughs> let me just talk about, you know, this one company that we recently started engaged with. They're a direct response company. They sell millions through Facebook and do a ton of things like that. And they had a good Amazon listing set up, but we came in, we took over, we did optimization on that. And then we started doing testing on the main image um, and what image shows up in search. And we actually increased their click-through rate by 687% by doing that. And their sales, 80% up month over month right now. Really? That one product now. Because you go in, you're doing it well. And again, it's very important to get out of the the catalog mentality of I need to do my full catalog. You can have a smaller set of products on Amazon and do those better than anybody else and make more money by spending the time and the effort to do it because Amazon's about quality, not quantity. Well, the other thing is that Amazon will punish you if you fail. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if you if you put the whole catalog and, and, and 98% of the products do badly, the, then the whole company probably is punished. They don't just pick the two that they like and then... Well, so they, they will pick the two that they like. Like Amazon goes brand agnostic with that. But your sales will go down if you have a whole bunch of products on Amazon. If they go to your store and go there and say, oh, this brand's all its other products are two, three stars. I'm not going to buy from these guys because I don't believe them. Right? So there is a lot of reputation management, there's structure, there's organization. When do you just focus on Amazon? When do you bring that over to your website? When do you do social media around that? There's all these different plays and all these different factors, not only to even have the conversation about logistics that we were just having when going in and implementing these things. So, so in a certain way, companies need to pick what they want to lead with and and then maybe draw people to their store to look at other stuff secondarily not bring them all in and 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 bombard them over or overwhelm them all at one time correct or what you do with that is you go in a kind of tiered fashion like what are our top sellers let's focus on those guys first like let's get those up and optimize over the next 3 months and then we'll go to the second ones and we'll go to the second ones but 
when you're looking at ad spend, any of these products that you're looking at, you're looking at, you know, we have products that we spend $100,000 a month on for one SKU or one listing, right? And then we have other ones that we're spending $2,000 a month. It really depends on the growth and the capability of that. But where you monetize as an end brand is by taking one product that's a winner and, and building that up and just rinse and repeat and selling uh, as much as you can of that. You know, this is this has been uh, been really, really thought provoking. And this opens up a lot of new doors and probably generates more questions than answers. But I, I will tell you that the the theme of this show, the promise of this show is to deliver the inside track, the best, smartest or fastest way to get something done. And uh, and you've done that. And when somebody does that, uh, we call those people advantage players. And and you have uh, lived up to the promise of the show. And that makes you an advantage player. And I appreciate you sharing what you know and delivering the inside track to our listenership. And uh, thank you for being a friend of the show. I appreciate you sharing with us and uh, being part of the program and, you know, being on profit from the inside. <laughs> well, thank you, Joel. It's been so much fun joining and hopping on today. And I'm always around if you ever want to talk shop again. Well, we'll, uh, we'll put all your uh, contact info in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. All so right, much. man. Listen, be well. Thanks for being with us. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Autovita Studios. Profit from the Inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audivita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com. Produced by Audivita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.